0: Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message in His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. We've been in a series uh, called Body Blows, and the, the the context of Body Blows is simply this. The reason why the enemy attacks the body of Christ so hard is because he cannot attack the head. That's it. The reason why he attacks the body is because he cannot attack the head. And so we've been talking about these different blows that come to the body uh, that, that the enemy launches because he does not want to see uh, the body of Christ flourish individually as believers or corporately uh, as a church community. Uh, the first weekend we talked about depression. The second weekend we talked about fear. Last week we talked about isolation. After last week there should be no one who calls themselves a resident of Embassy City Church that uh, wants to be a lone wolf any longer, Right. I mean, we, we need to be in community. If we're not in community, we are distancing ourselves from God and other people, and we will go crazy. Listen to the podcast for that. This weekend, all my nerds, you ready to take notes? Because nerds rule the world. If you're not a nerd, you work for one, take notes. If you don't like taking notes, take notes anyway. Three days' time, you'll be able to preach this and own it like it's yours, okay? Uh, Romans chapter number eight. Let me give you the title of the message first, and then we'll get into it. It's simply control. Control. When the Holy Spirit first gave me uh, the title of this message for this week, and I said, control is a body blow? How is control uh, a body blow? And what he started to explain to me is, is, it's not that someone's controlling you, it's about the fight for who's going to control you. I don't know if you know this or not, but in Genesis chapter number three, what got us into this bad situation in the first place, with Eve being deceived and subsequently Adam sinning, the problem was control the enemy actually put a thought in Eve's mind that transferred to Adam that started to question God. Why should you be limited to not having and partaking of this tree? Shouldn't you have the opportunity to partake of every tree? It became a question of control. Who controls you, Eve? Who controls you, Adam? Is it you or is it God? And and don't you have an opportunity at this point uh, to indulge and have something for yourself? Take control. And from that day to this one, the real fight has been about who's going to be in control of your life. Honest moment, how many people in here, by definition, would consider yourself a control freak. Real high, real high, don't be ashamed. I'm a control freak. You can't make my sandwich. You don't make it right. Okay, I like my peanut butter all the way to the edges. And you have to toast my bread. And I will only categorically use Smucker's strawberry jam. Right. Control. Right. Now, that was innocent because it's a sandwich. But what about when it's your life? Who's really in control of your life? Now, the, 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 the automatic response from a group of believers on a Sunday morning would be God. But really? Is he in control of your life or certain aspects of it? You gave him control of your finances and you tithe 10%, but does he have control of your attitude? Because, just trying to figure out who's in control of that part. You might have your attitude in control, but does he have control over your appetites? I'm not just talking about food. I'm in the building. Y'all are like, well well, wait a minute now, control's about to be something. Who's in control? I want to read you some scripture, and here's how I want you to set it up. Who has control over my and then we're, these are my points after this. Okay, I'm, I'm jumping right into this. Who has control over my point number one mind? Who has control over my mind? Romans chapter number eight, starting at the fifth verse, says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled, somebody say control, louder control, louder control. But for those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about. Things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Can we just pause real quick? I want to deal with this verse. I love this verse. I'm so glad this verse is in the Bible. The reason why I'm glad this verse is in the Bible is because uh, it explains a lot to me. It explains why I could have victory today and struggle tomorrow. It explains to me why I could have victory today and two hours from now not be that victorious in the same thing that I was just victorious over two hours before. Because the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law and it never will. Can I submit something to you that you probably don't want to hear? Your body, your, this flesh, is Jason. Y'all remember Jason? You kill it. You get victory. <laughs> didn't I? I thought I killed you. And we'll come to church and we'll praise God. I have the victory. And three hours later, do I have the victory? Take comfort. Your your sinful nature is going to always be hostile towards God. It's never going to want to do God's will. So don't be shocked. When there's some areas in your life that do not want to submit to God's will. It's going to be about control and who you give it to. Not you trying to do this in your willpower. But his power. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Holy Spirit. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you, parenthetically. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Who has control over my mind? It's real simple. Who has control? Who do I give it to? When thoughts come into my mind, which ones am I listening to? Which ones am I nurturing and feeding and which ones am I putting under the authority of Christ? Your mind going to produce imaginations and produce images and produce thoughts at a rate that is absolutely staggering. Thousands upon thousands in a 24 hour period. The ones that are going to dominate are the ones that are going to control you. Whatever's going to be in your mind is going to come out through your actions and through your mouth, and you have to determine today who you're going to allow to control your mind. Well, what does that look like? Well, it it looks like discipline. A lot of people don't want to hear that word when it comes to the lifestyle of a believer, but it's discipline. How much word are you getting in between these Sundays. Holy Spirit gave me a revelation several years ago uh, that, uh, uh, and I thought it was a compliment at first, but it wasn't. He said, hey, Tim, uh, uh, you, you know, the, 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 uh, a lot of believers are incredible fasters. They, they fast, they, they fast a lot. And, and I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, they only eat their word once a week. And they fast for six days. If the only time you hear the word or read the word is on Sundays, the Holy Spirit's not in control of your life. And here's how I know it. Because there's no way he can bring anything back to your memory if you're only giving him the word in seven day increments. Every seven days you hear a good word and then you're like, well, let me just go ahead and watch Netflix, binge out. And look at the internet and look at the news and oh my goodness, how many people are being discipled by the news right now? How many believers? I can have a conversation with them and go, oh, Fox News is your rabbi. MSNBC is your rabbi. It's shaping your doctrine. A news channel. CNN is your rabbi. Instead of the word of God. Who? Has control over your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, he's in your business. Music. <laughs> I felt it rumble. <laughs> Y'all were like, "Don't come after my, don't come after my playlist." But does your ed- does your playlist edify the spirit or edify your flesh? Who's in control of your mind? Music is a powerful tool. There are songs that I haven't heard in 20 years, and if they come on, I can quote it line for line. That means it's down in there. (laughs) And if you know more rap verses, R&B verses, top pop verses, then you know Bible verses, you might have an idol. Today, and I like it because we have to answer this question: Who's going to be in control of my mind? Point number two: Write this down. Who is in control over my matter? Who has control over my matters? This encompasses a lot, but here's the here's the perspective that I want to give you is out of Matthew chapter number 16 starting at the 21st verse just to set this up for you this is after Peter has had the best moment of his life Jesus decides to have a pop quiz and ask the question uh, uh, who do men say that I am and they said some say that you're John the Baptist and some say that you're Elijah. Uh, raised from the dead and some say you're this and some say you're that and then they say well, well who?" he says who do you say that I am and Peter answers the question pop quiz Peter answers the question you are the Christ the son of the living God and he said Peter flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father in heaven and I will give you the keys to the kingdom and, 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 and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven I mean he gives, him, he gives him a blessing in this moment for answering this question look at what happens immediately following this From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hand of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside. What? Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Can we pause for a moment? If Jesus walked in the door right now, I'd sit down. I'd be like, and the floor is yours, sir. <laughs> Whatever you would like to say. And if he started saying things, hey, hey you guys might go into some some uh, a season where it's going to be pretty bad. And even for me, I'm, I'm going to be crucified and handed over to the elders and, and I'm going to be uh, killed. Uh, but don't worry, on the third day, uh, I'll rise again. And And somebody, one of us, just, hey, can I? Hey, Jesus, just, no, just hold on, guys. Just real quick, real quick. Um, Nah, bruh. Mm-mm. i bind that. that. That point that you just made, that didn't really sit well with my spirit. It's just not really jiving with the Holy Spirit in me. And so, uh, no, I don't think, mm mm-mm, I don't don't think you should do that. I don't don't think that's going to happen. And he starts reprimanding him. Don't you ever say nothing like that again? You ain't going to ever die. You just gave me keys. I need you to tell me which doors to open. Come on, man. I just won the pop quiz and now you're talking about leaving. That's not going to happen. I rebuke that. But then, um, then he says, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Now, you know This is the most confusing day Peter's ever had. He's been going by Simon all his life. He said, you shall no longer be Simon. You shall be Peter. You shall be a rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And then five minutes later, Satan. He's like, I don't know. Am I Simon, Peter, or Satan? I'm just, are you going to just pick days what you're going to call me? Or is this, how's this going to go? You are a dangerous trap to me. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me, I'm moving too fast. Uh, You have to know how to separate the spirit from the person. He didn't rebuke Peter as much as he rebukes Satan influencing Peter. Mm -hmm. Find out where the influence is coming from before you start labeling people things. You might just be under the influence, okay? So uh, he said, you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Can you underline that or highlight that or do something with that? Write that whole thing out. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view. This is where most of our issues come from when it, gets to control of the matters in in our life. Anytime we have a huge matter that's going on in our life and we take control over it, what's usually happened is we only see it from our human perspective, not from God's perspective. Then Jesus said to his disciples, get this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. Please write down these 12 words. In the world, you take control. In the kingdom, you give control. Say it again. In the world, you take control. In the kingdom, you give control. See, the human point of view is this situation is out of hand. I must take control of the situation. I will fix this myself. God, you are taking too long. I got this. I prayed about it. I went to the the movies. I saw a war room. I created a war room. I put all the scriptures up on the wall. I prayed for 30 minutes. Nothing changed. I got this, Lord. I'll fix them myself. I'll fix this situation myself. I'll work harder. I will strive more. I got this, Lord. I asked you. You didn't come through. I got this. In the world, you take control. In the kingdom, you give it. Lord, this situation's out of my control. So I give it to you. I don't know what to do about it anymore. And and, and I don't want to step in and wind up messing something up. So I'm just gonna give this to you and then you can do whatever you need to with it. Let me know how to govern myself in this moment. Please tell me what to do here. If you want me to do something, I'll do it. If you don't want me to do something, I won't do it. If you want me to say something, I will say it. But if you do not want me to say something, I will not say it. You are in control of my matters, not me. Peter found this out in Luke chapter number five. When he gave Jesus permission to preach out of his boat, and then Jesus said, well, let's go out into the deep for a catch. And Peter was like, I I don't know if you understand. We've been up all night, and uh, we already tried to get the fish. We do it at night in the shallow because that's when the fish are out. You want to go into the deep in the daytime where the fish are not. But he gave him control, and it was the biggest catch of his life so much so he could retire from his fishing business and follow Jesus for the remainder of Jesus' life. Are you taking, oh, thank you, Lord. There, there there, there, There is a gospel being preached in churches trying to tell people and encourage people to take control of their life. Pull yourself up. You can do it. You can g- get the breakthrough. You can strive harder. And-, and it's not congruent with Scripture. Jesus just said, if you try to keep your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give it away, you'll actually keep it. I'm not sure if you understand, but the kingdom of God is upside down. It is antithetical to our Western culture and ways of thinking. And we have to break that mentality in our minds that we can do this ourselves. That God is actually co-signing on my endeavors. I don't need him to guide and direct me, I will go where I want to, and then he will sign off on it. I'm pursuing my desire and my emotion and my passion, and Lord, come over here. Will you please sign on this? This is what I want to do. This is what I believe God's called me to do. And so are you ready for this? He doesn't care. I found out the hard way. From the age of four years old, I wanted to be in law enforcement. My mother worked for the LAPD for 30 years. I wanted to be in law enforcement. By the time I got to about 12 or 13, it was crystallized. I wanted to be a homicide detective because I lived in Los Angeles, California, which means I was going to have job security. (laughs) And I gave my life to Christ January 14th of 1996, and five weeks later, I preached my first sermon, and I've been preaching ever since. 21 years. I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. For 10 of those years, God had opened doors and I had been preaching across the nation. God started opening doors for me to preach uh, in other countries. And I was in a worship service one day minding my own business. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're still holding a grudge against me. In worship, I'm like, great are you Lord. And he said, you're still holding a grudge against me. And I was like, no, it's your breath. In my lungs. I'm pouring out my praise, pouring out my praise, it's your breath. (laughs) And he said, he said, no, you're still holding a grudge against me. And it was like he took me by the hand and walked me into the backyard of my soul and got this little shovel and scooped no more than three scoops of dirt out and pulled out this little box. And when he opened this box, there was Offense. He said, you're still angry that you didn't get to become a police officer. And for the last 10 years, Tim, I've watched you not preach with me. You've preached for me. You actually have been treating ministry for the last decade like you've been punching a clock. Tim, the, 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 the only reason why you're preaching is not because you have a passion to, but because I closed all these doors and you blame me for you not being able to fulfill your dreams. So you've been carrying on the last decade, like, well, fine, I guess I'll just do this if I can't do that. He said, but Tim, I just wanna clarify something with you. I never said you were gonna be in law enforcement. You did. And the last time I checked, when you signed up to give your life to my son, you gave up rights to control the narrative of your life. for Half of the room that admitted already that they're control freaks, this is a big deal. Because, Lord, you got to let me have what I want the way I want it if I don't get it the way I want it, then then you're not a good God. And God's like, I never said you could have it. You took it. How do you like it? Have you ever got something that you wanted, but as soon as you got it, you was like, this is not exactly what I... Ever been in a relationship? You got the relationship you wanted, but then you was like, I'm not... You ever went to go see a DC movie and sat down and thought it was going to be good and then you were like I'm not sure, Justice League. I'm not sure I should have saw this. Should have went to go see Thor again. Have you, have you, have, ha, have you ever thought it was going to go one way and it went another and then you actually took it out on God and God's like I didn't, I didn't, ever, I didn't even tell you to date them. You didn't even check. You just said it was the Lord, but you never checked with. Probably because you're too churchy at this point and you just put the Lord on everything. The Lord told me to go to the mall. The Lord told me to buy the shoes. The Lord told me to get the gas. The Lord told me to put on the skirt. The Lord told me. The Lord. We have to break a religious mindset so you can get back into a relationship A relationship asks questions. Tell me more. Can you please? I would like to know how you feel about this. That's a relationship. Religion is date nights every Friday, non-negotiable. You better be there or else we're breaking up. That's religion. Relationship checks in. Religion checks you out. Who's in control of your matters? Point number three, write this down. Ooh, I could have stayed there. Point number three, write this down. Who has control over my movements? Genesis 12, one, two and three. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land. I will show you I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Who controls your movements? Your comings and your goings. You're blessed going in and blessed going out. But but who controls when you move and how you move? We talked about fear. Sometimes fear controls our movements or our lack thereof. Sometimes it's control. Well, I don't want to do that until June because June's just the month I move. That's just always been the month that I move. And I, I like June. It's, it's warm. It's a warm month. And so, you know, if I, if I ever make any major moves, it's usually in the summertime. But June, the Lord seems to move in June for me. Something about six that month, the number of men. You're so deep. Stop. He doesn't need all that. Okay. So and so and and so, so there's this guy, Abram, and and Abram is 75 years old. Talk about somebody setting their ways. 75, listen, you turn 75, you can't tell anyone 75 anything. They're 75. They've earned the right to look at you and go, no. Do you know how long I've been here? I'm 75 years old, I don't have to do anything. I don't need to learn nothing new. You can't teach me nothing new. If I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. I'm 75. I <laughs> done had kids, grandkids, got some greats, and listen, ain't much time left. I'm only going to do what I want to do. Th- this was Abram's life. Abram has worshipped like trees and like a half crescent moon, some little wooden statues. He is set in his ways. And then he hears a voice he's never heard in his life, and all it says is, move. Get away from your country geographically, get away from your family in proximity relationally, and also leave the culture, everything that you've been worshiping up until this point. Pick it all up and move. I have something for you. And Abram does something that is absolutely unprecedented. He moves. This is why there's a song written after the man Father Abraham. Had many sons, many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Some of y'all went to camp. Some of y'all went to a Christian camp in your life. 75-year-old man, off one instruction from God, moves away from everything that he knows, has become familiar with, and is comforted by because of a word from the Lord. What's our excuse? I'm still waiting for double confirmation. Put out three fleeces, so. Asked for one to turn green, it did. Asked for one to turn yellow, it did. Ask for the third one to turn green and yellow. Makes a nice turquoise color, and it should be wet. I'm waiting on that one, and then I'll move. And God's like, who's in control here? How many confirmations do you, how many prophetic words do you need before we go? I'm trying to take you to a place so I can bless you, and I can't bless you here. So I want you to move. Are you in control of that? Or is he going to be in control of that? This has happened three times in my life. I was born and raised in Southern California. My parents uh, pastored a church for 15 years. I got saved in that church, God's Way of Holiness Fellowship, in West Covina, California. It started in our house, 915 Heartview. Then it moved into a bowling alley. Then it subsequently got its own building, but I got saved at the age of 20 in their church. And a year and a half later, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to buy a one-way ticket to Texas. I had to leave everything I knew. I had never been outside of the state, Nevada doesn't count, but daddy took us to (laughs) Nevada. So technically we had been out of state, but I had never uh, traveled on a plane anywhere uh, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit said, buy a one-way ticket to Dallas. I went to my parents and I said, Mom, Dad, I feel like the Lord's telling me to go to Texas. And I went to them not as parents but as my pastors because I'm submitted and had to be released. I said, would you all pray about it? And they, they looked at each other for a few moments and looked back at me and said, uh, we were just babysitting you. And we don't want a curse to come upon us because we're going to hold on to you and not release you into whatever God's called you to do. We raised you. You've given your life to the Lord. And if he's calling you to Dallas, you have to go. They raised some money for me at church that weekend. And with three suitcases and $400 to my name, I boarded a Greyhound bus one way, spent two and a half days on the bus. And that's how I got to Texas. And my life was forever changed. Moved here in 97, I met Juliet in 98, great incentive to stay. <laughs> Got married in 99, God was doing some amazing things, we were part of a great church. It had opened up doors for me, given me some exposure and then allowed me the responsibility to, to pastor a, a young adult ministry that I, was, that, that I was loving and nurturing and it was thriving. And then the Holy Spirit said, yeah, it's time for you to leave. And in 2008, he said, okay, I want you to leave from here. And he gave me this scripture, Genesis chapter number 12. Get out of your country and your parents' house, your father's house, to a place that I want to show you. I'm like, what's after? There's nothing after this. I I want to be here. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you cannot be here. I want to take you somewhere else. And this is what he said to me. I won't talk to you about what's next until you leave what's now. When it comes to God speaking to you about movements, here's what we want to know: details, Lord. I know you said to move, but where? Kind of like to know: do I like the city, or you know, you told me to move jobs? Is it another job I like, or you're telling me to move to another church? Do I even like the church? And 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 we we hear the command, but then we come back with all of these follow-up questions. So I went and shared it with Juliet in 2008, and and we prayed about it all of 2009. And in 2010, this was when I was at the Potter's House in Dallas. And uh, I had to sit down uh, with my pastor, my mentor, Bishop T.D. Jakes, and, and have this conversation. And I had to have the same conversation with him that I had with my parents. And he was so gracious to go, listen, this is very, very disappointing. And I, and I thought you were going to be here. But if this is what God's calling you to do, then I release you to do it. I had no clue there was a church called Embassy coming he asked me the question, where are you going to go? I was like, oh, I don't know. Because sometimes faith will make you look stupid. Hey, heard you believe in God for something. Uh, where are you going? Uh, I don't Any clarity yet? Mm-mm, no. Then why are you packing your bags? Because he said, leave. <laughs> where are you going? Oh, no. <laughs> and your wife is cool with it? Yeah. How about your kids? They don't know anything. (laughs) Sometimes faith will make you look foolish, but he tells you to do it anyway. And so we leave. We didn't know where we were going. We had no clue that a relationship with Gateway was on the horizon. When I got to Gateway, I'm like, oh, well, okay, I'll stay here. And the Lord was like, no, you can't stay here either. And he starts talking to me about Embassy City Church. He goes, go tell Robert about Embassy City Church. I was like, but where you told me to plan it is like down the street from Gateway. It's like nine minutes. And he was like, why are you talking to me? J- shut up and go. <laughs> we talk back to God a lot. I think by the time I get to the point where I'm like, yes, Lord, he'll be like, thank you. <laughs> oh, took you 50 years to just get to a yes, Lord. My soul says, yes, but, (laughs) yes, maybe, (laughs) yes, I don't know. Go back, submit, the same way I submitted to my parents and the same way I submitted to Bishop T.D. Jakes, the same way I submitted it to Pastor Robert Morris, I said, I feel like this is what the Lord's telling me. And he said, where do you think you're going to plant the church? I said, I think it's supposed to be in North Irving. But if you don't think it's supposed to be here, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'm, I'm just, I don't know if I'm hearing them right. I'm just submitting it to you. And he said, Irving, what part of Irving? I said, well, like North, Ir- North Irving, <laughs> like Las Colinas, like right around there. And he said, as soon as you said Los Colinas, he said, as soon as you said North Irving, uh, 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 that bear witness with my spirit because as soon as you said Irving, I said, what about North Irving, Los Cleas area? And then you said, he said, this is the Lord. I said, oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad this is the Lord. This is... <laughs> then the elders prayed over me and sent me here. All I did was obey him. See, see, here's what people have tried to do on the carnal side. Wow, Tim, you made some really good moves. Ah! Like I'm smart enough to have planned out that type of trajectory. All I did is say, yes, when he told me to and obeyed what he told me to do. And now we're here. So what about you? What movements is he telling you to make that could be setting you up for the next season of your life? It's not my assignment to answer the questions of who has control over your mind, over your matters, over your movements. It's your job to answer it. The last series of 2017 year, December's coming, about to close out. Stephen already said said it, this is the time we get reflective, sometimes protective, a little bit of nervous energy about what's going on in 2018. I guarantee you, If God has control over your mind, over your matters, over your movements, you will be fine. Let him have control. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.